This episode of Radio Techers is brought to you in part by Trip Surfer Vacations. Travel is opening up again, and we know you're ready to go. Trip Surfer Vacations has great all-inclusive packages for your next beach vacation and all the info you need to know about your next trip. So whether you're headed to the Cancun, Cozumel, Cabo, or the Caribbean, Trip Surfer Vacations has you guys covered. We even have partnerships for European adventures as well. So we know you're ready to go. Visit TripSurferVacations.com and let them know that Radio Techers sent you. Y'all have fun out there. Welcome back once again to Nitro Nights, a podcast looking at WCW, the good, the bad, the weird, the abysmal, the embarrassing, and everything in between from the very first episode of Monday Nitro right through to the last episode of Monday Nitro, step by step, week by week, show by show. My name is Sai. I am one half of your hosting duo, the other half and the, the better half, the greater half, the more talented half of this hosting duo is the absolutely superb. Scottish Danny, how are you doing this week, my friend? Too kind, sir. Too kind, but <laughs> I'm doing really well. Thank you for that amazing intro. How are yourself? Yeah, not too bad, buddy. Not too bad. You know, I'm sort of. I've got to a stage, I think, with these these Nitro watchbacks where, I, I, even if it's a show that doesn't grab me straight away, because they are so short and we're getting through them so quick, I can't wait to watch the next one. And I can't wait to watch the next one. And we're getting adverts now for Halloween Havoc, which I know is not going to be a great watch, but I'm excited because it's being plugged on the show so much, if that makes sense. Yeah, it totally does. Yeah, okay. This episode of Monday Nitro comes to us from Chicago, and it's broadcast on Monday, October the 9th, 1995. It received a 2.6 in the TV ratings, which for the second week running was exactly the same as Monday Night Raw. 2.6 2.6 for Raw as well, which is quite interesting. Both shows going up a smidge, but staying, uh, you know, level pegging, I guess. Hmm, and that's odd. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's a lot. It's good because it's, it's it's holding the audience, I suppose. It's not dropping figures. So I suppose that's a good aspect from there. We know that the numbers go up and up and up throughout the Attitude Era, of course. But it's good to see that both at this stage are holding the, holding the numbers, I guess. 
we begin the show with an a, well i suppose the standard way i guess we begin the show with a recap of what hulk hogan was up to last week in case anyone had forgotten we then get bischoff mongo at michael and bobby heenan in chicago bears tops facing the wrong way so you can see their numbers and their names on the back because obviously mongo used to play for the chicago bears he picks up eric bischoff to turn him around and point him towards the camera to say, no, no, we're looking this way. And he goes towards the brain and brains. I like, know it's okay. I can turn myself around. <laughs> I just, I think the interactions between these three are, are, are quite, are quite funny sometimes. It really is. Isn't it? They play off very well against each other. Yeah. I mean, Mongo comes out with some absolute nonsense at times. He really does like the, the snow cone comment from last week, for example, but I, I quite enjoy the three of them here on these shorter episodes. Well, when they're not all, tickling Hulk Hogan's bollocks. I mean, when they're, you know, when they're actually talking about wrestling and stuff, you know, so. We have a bit yes. of a surprise. <laughs> we have a bit of a surprise, Danny, don't we? Someone we haven't seen for a few weeks. It's only bloody Sting. I know, he just randomly showed up, didn't he, out of nowhere? Yeah, just stood behind them all saying he's going to solve the Macho Man Lex Luger issues, apparently. Because, you know, Sting's obviously a, a qualified counsellor of some description, I suppose. He really is. I mean, he he fought his way out of Saturday Night Hell into Monday Night Show, so you have to give him uh, props for that. Yeah, and he's wearing that glorious United States Championship. I love that belt so much. So many great names are held. That 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 look to the WCW United States title is probably my favourite. Oh, it's brilliant. Um, I, as I've told you before, I prefer, much prefer the WWE US title, but I can appreciate this as well. <laughs> What about the when John Cena turned it into that sort of silver spinner one? Did you like that? I'm um, I'm going to admit this for the first time on the podcast. I actually had that belt, a replica of that belt. <laughs> Did you really? Okay. Oh wow! I was 13 when that happened, and uh, yeah, really enjoy. I like that title belt, but it it probably did a lot in uh, merchandise sales. Yeah, I imagine so. And the spinner belt, the WWE spinner belt, the the, the big one that Punk held as well, and so on. Bruce Pritchard apparently has said numerous times that that's the highest selling title belt they've ever released in merch. It like outdoes every other belt like by huge numbers. So, I mean, some people complain about it. I don't think it's too bad, but obviously it's worth them doing this, isn't it, I suppose? Yeah, definitely. I would have liked to see this uh, WCW uh, title in uh, the US title in uh, WWE, but we only got that for a short time during the invasion, didn't we? Yeah, and they were unified, weren't they, at the Survivor Series pay-per-view, the 2001 Survivor Series pay-per-view? Those two belts were unified, and I think they just stuck with the Intercontinental Championship then, didn't they? Is that yeah. correct? Yeah, that is 100% on, and it's a shame, really, but um, I guess what happens, what happens, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I know we're going a little bit off track here, but I find title belt conversations fascinating, what people like, what people don't like, and especially speaking to someone such as yourself, Danny, because you're a bit younger than me and you grew up watching in a, in a completely different era. Title belts now, they all kind of look, in WWE especially, they all kind of look the same, just the WWE logo, different coloured leather and so on. Whereas yeah. I think WCW, with the big gold belt, uh, which is one of my favourites of all time, the big gold belt is their world championship. The TV title is a lovely championship as well. The old red leather NWA job. The United States title looks good. They look like proper championships to me, where sometimes the WWE is a bit gimmicky. I mean, what do you think? 
I definitely agree. I mean, these days, WWE, um, yeah, the towels all look the same. I think the worst towels are the tag team belts. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, every towel has to have a, a distinct look um, for that division, like the cruiserweight and the, the middleweight and, well, the US, the mid-card. And the most important one should be the world. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, they've, they've had some lovely titles, though. When you mentioned the cruiserweight title, I thought that belt was really nice the sort of more i suppose sort of hexagonal shape to the main plate i guess it was quite blocky at the top it had like the purple leather i thought it was a really nice championship yeah it really looked nice yeah okay i want more replica belts as well my wife keeps telling me to get a grip but it's like no i want more replica belts i want the united states title i want the old red leather nwa tv title uh, I want an old proper winged eagle WWF championship belt as well. The one that Brett and Sean fought over in the mid nineties and stuff. That, that to me, well, you have seen this on, uh, on a change in attitude. Of course, I think Sid is currently the champion in the shows that you're looking at that are coming out at the moment. That belt, I think is just gorgeous. Yeah, that is really good. Bloody hell. Look at that. I'll have Magsy smiling. We're plugging his show already. We're not even at the end of our episode yet. <laughs> Uh, anyway, getting back to the US title, the opener for the show is a US title match. And seeing Sting is always good for me as a big WCW fan. I'm like, great, get to see Sting. And then we find that his opponent is the Shark. I'm not going to lie, that brought me down to, to, you know, down to earth from quite the bump. But the match is relatively short. And Shark, I think, looks bloody great in this contest. He really does. I mean, I think we mentioned it on a previous episode. Uh, you have to give the man props. He went out and got a shark tattoo on his uh, arm for this gimmick. Brilliant. <laughs> so you, anything he does to me is golden. Anyone who could commit that much to a silly gimmick like this gets a pass. Mm. He, he, he performs a huge leg drop, which looked fantastic. Some massive elbow drops. And he look, he's moving like a man half his size. You know, I, I, I first straight away when I see saw, saw Shark was the guy who was going to be facing Sting, I was very much like, oh, that's a shame. But this match was in and out in a couple of minutes. Shark looked great. Sting ultimately won with two Stinger splashes and a big crossbody off the top rope. I was pleasantly surprised. It was better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, same here. I mean, like you said, when you read it on paper, you think, oh, this is just going to be a just a, a nothing match. But no, it was actually really exciting. Mm, yeah, I enjoyed it. And then in standard WCW fashion, we take that little level of excitement they've got by overperforming with a Sting versus Shark opener and burst my bubble by giving us a second recap of how Hogan got on last week. But this time, it's the whole thing, not edited, the whole video, yet again. Oh my God, it made me want to hurt myself. I couldn't believe it. I just could not believe it. <sighs> We then get our next contest. I mean, again, it seems like we're flying through these episodes, these reviews incredibly quick, but that's how the show feels. It's incredibly fast. It's segment. Of, I mean, they've got a one hour window on their TV, you know, including the ad breaks they have, but they literally get as much as they can into these hours. I think Bischoff here is doing a fantastic job. They're really cramming everything they can into this TV show. Danny, how do you feel about the whole, I mean, we've done a few of these now. We're just like our, I don't know our fourth or fifth episode of, of Nitro, and we also seen the pay-per-view. But looking just at the Nitro itself, how do you see see the company as an overall? How do you see the TV show as an overall? 
I'm seeing it as uh, sort of like they're throwing things against the wall and see what sticks uh, at the minute. But a lot is sticking. I mean, it's not a bad thing. I think a lot uh, they're just throwing up. It's like a load. It's like a big explosion sort of thing. And um, yeah, that's how I'm seeing it. How are you seeing it, sir? Yeah, I think, I think what you say there makes a lot of sense. They are trying lots of different things. I, I think sometimes they, when I mean, you say they're trying lots of different things, but I also think they've got a little bit of an identity crisis going on. I mean, we touched upon it last week in that the Hogan stuff doesn't always seem to fit into the show with some of the more modern stuff, modern from 95. But then on the other side of the coin, we've also seen gimmicks like the American males, which I don't think quite works. And we've seen the nasty boys. And again, I know they hang around for a few more years, but this is 1995 and it's like, they look a bit dated. You know, and then the tag team that Colonel Robert Parker manages and the Colonel Robert Parker gimmick itself seems incredibly dated. But then we've got other aspects. I mean, Sting always looks great. Savage and Luger last week look good. Malenko Guerrero seems very sort of forward thinking. I mean, our next match here, we've got Sabu versus Mr. JL. That's very forward thinking again. And then we keep getting these moments popping up that sort of scream 1989, I guess, if I explain that properly. Yeah, that, that definitely resonates. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, as I mentioned there, our next match is Sabu versus Mr. JL. Uh, do you know who Mr. JL is, Danny? No, actually don't know who this is. Who was he? The initials give you a clue, my friend. Mr. JL was Jerry Lynn. Ah. Oh, right. So it's very much a an ECW contest on Monday Nitro in 95. And we actually have a huge sign in the crowd that says Sabu rules ECW as the match starts off. Jerry Lynn comes out in a mask and you know, long tights and a, a top half to his wrestling gear as well. Looking very Rey Mysterio-esque, to be fair. That's, yeah, the, uh, that's the correlation I made as well. I was thinking, wow, like this, uh, but um, you could tell he was here to just do a job and get squashed. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Interesting as well. I don't know if you heard it, Danny, but we had a Hogan sucks chant breakout. I wrote that down. They said that was a random, but okay. <laughs> yeah, I think people are getting. I suppose people are getting sick of him in general now. I mean, we're we're in October '95 here. We've still got best part of a year, I guess. What we're we looking at ten months, maybe nine months before Bash at the Beach when Hogan makes that final turn, and I think people are getting to that stage where they are a little sick of the Hogan shtick. But at the same time, you look in the crowd. There's still lots of red and yellow shirts, lots of foam fingers, lots of Hogan signs and bandanas. So I suppose it's only a small smattering of people who are who are sick of it. But yep. you can feel that unrest, can't you? Yep, it's the vocal minority that um, that people like to mention. Mm, yeah, very interesting that we're seeing it as early as we are. I think. However, we get from Sabu and Mister JL. They put on, for me, a pretty exciting contest. We get some flying leg drops, some aerial moves, some spinning heel kicks in the air. Sabu flies over the top rope to the outside. Uh, we get the chair spot from Sabu as well, where he runs and sort of jumps off the chair over the top of the back to hit Jerry Lynn. I mean, none of it looks particularly safe from Sabu, but he did have a bit of a reputation of being a bit reckless, I guess. But no, I, I quite enjoyed this. Danny, talk us through what you thought of the match and ultimately talk us through the finish. Well, yeah, I actually really enjoyed this match as well, like yourself. Um, yeah, it was very fast-paced. Um, like you said, a lot of aerial manoeuvres and things like that. 
um, a lot of DD, uh, there was a DDT spot where uh, Jerry Lynn hit DDT off the middle rope. That was uh, really interesting as well. Yeah. Um, haven't seen too much of that uh, throughout these nitros so far. But yeah, it was really good. And then the finish came when Sabu got the camel clutch for the win. And uh, the camel clutch, uh, was that invented by his uncle or something? Yes, I think so. Yeah. He had the, he had the, the name The Sheik on his strap across his bicep as well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, and I thought I thought that was pretty a pretty good finish, especially for a match with this high risk. But we we get a um, scary power bomb spot on to the outside. I don't know if you yeah, saw this. I did. I did. This all it, it's just Sabu. He's just insane, isn't he? He's just got no care for his own body at all. No, he has not. But yeah, that I enjoyed. I enjoyed the match for what it was. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and I suppose as is the ongoing theme i guess with these early nitros every time the show picks up a bit of steam and i'm thinking well that's great something happens to sort of take not the wind back the sails and this again happens here sabu wins the match but he carries on attacking Lynn after the match and they're outside the ring and the crowd are going nuts for this because they're seeing moves from sabu that i imagine a lot of wcw fans have never seen before some of the things that he's doing and some of the things that Lynn were doing are so exciting and innovative sorry for 1995 but apparently we don't want to see that. We're going to cut back to Eric Bischoff banging on about Hulk Hogan again. We're going to go back to the announce desk where Bischoff, the brain and Mongo and Michael are sat just to hear them talk about Hogan some more. When this action is going on in the ring again. Wow. It's very much the Hulk Hogan show, isn't it? Well, yeah, because literally the next spot, well, the next spot doesn't directly involve Hogan. But they're talking about him in this as well. We have Mean Gene in the ring with Sting and Luger. And they call Savage to the ring. And they start talking about the issues between Sting and Luger and so on. And even that reverts back round to talking about Hogan. Saying the Giants attacking everyone. The Giants attacking Hogan. Oh my God, if he's attacking Hogan, what are we going to do? It's like, this is a separate feud. This is a completely different storyline. And yet they're bringing Hogan into this as well, Danny, aren't they? They are, yeah. And any way you can fit Hulk Hogan in, he's going to be there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, when Savage arrives, he actually asks why the Giant hasn't attacked Sting. He lists Hogan. He says, he says, I've been chokeslammed. Hogan's been chokeslammed. Luger's been chokeslammed. Sting, why hasn't he gone after you? And I'm thinking, because he hasn't been on Nitro in about a month. That's what uh, the general public was probably thinking as well. Yeah. So, uh, but there we go. Perhaps, perhaps Savage just didn't notice he wasn't there. I don't know. But um, <laughs> Sting says that, and, and this is something that surprised me as well. Apparently at Halloween Havoc, Luger is facing Ming and Savage is wrestling Kamala. But this is announced by Sting as they're having this back and forth. You've got a match at Halloween Havoc with, with such and such. You've got a match at Halloween. I propose that if you both win, you wrestle each other again at Halloween Havoc to settle your differences. And it's like, okay, so it seems like we just got half the pay-per-view there and then in that one segment, I guess. It was, it, they needed an authority figure. I'm a massive fan of authority figures, but I don't think they had one at this time, did they? Not really. I mean, Bischoff, Bischoff was obviously in charge. I'm not sure how many people knew that was the case. I don't think he kept it a secret. But we do get sort of presidents and, and so on 
coming very soon, to be honest. Roddy Piper has a run. Ric Flair has a run at some point in Nitro's uh, Nitro's timeline. And we do get different people who are the authority figures at some stage. Bischoff, of course, is also involved in that as well. So it does happen. But at the moment, it seems like they haven't quite got that that exact well, Nick Botwinkle is, is the one they keep referring to in kayfabe. He's the guy who, who makes the matches and so on. But he's not a prominent figure on screen, is he? No, no. I mean, and I think that was something that uh, lacked uh, this direction for me because it was like, oh man, I would rather have somebody come out and actually announce it to give it more credibility than uh, a wrestler just saying it, you know, just because mm. um, uh, what power does Sting have? Well, yeah, I mean, it's not even like, I mean, I, I don't want to sort of mislead the people listening if they haven't actually seen this episode of Nitro, but it's not like Sting has made the matches. He's not come out and said, this is what's going on, you know, apart from saying about the Savage Luger rematch, the, the Sting versus, um, sorry, Sting, the Luger Meng match and the Savage Kamala match are obviously already been made and Sting's just pointing it out. Oh, you've got a match here and you've got a match there. But it's the first as a viewer I've heard. I mean, maybe they spoke about it on WCW Saturday night. I don't know. But as a viewer watching Nitro, that's the first I've heard about this. I think we need to dig up those uh, 1-800 um, uh, calls that they were doing. Maybe it was announced on the, there with me and Gene. Maybe, maybe when you're paying, what was it, 79p a minute to find out about <sighs> whatever it was, you know? <laughs> too much, too much money. <laughs> yeah. We then get a shot of a limo arriving. I think it was a limo. I'm not sure. A car of some description, anyway, arriving, as Eric Bischoff says, the newest acquisition to WCW, someone who's been successful, especially in Japan, but also in Canada, uh, all over Europe, um, and lists a few different countries. Um, I'm thinking, who are they on about? And I steps Chris Benoit. No, it wasn't. It was Stevie Richards. <laughs> you're, you're gonna die on that hill aren't you you'll never get that go i will never let that go so i've been saying this since 2012 i will never <laughs> let it go okay so stevie benoit or uh, chris richards or whatever he um he steps out the car and looks up at the, the the arena and says so this is where the big boys play huh and then walks in sporting a glorious mullet that haircut is fantastic no, in all seriousness, yeah, this was actually a really good debut because they hyped him really, really well. Um, when he walked out and out of the, he looked like a star the way he was dressed. And um, yeah, I actually really enjoyed this for a debut. Yeah, and I suppose over the last couple of weeks with this moment here as well, we're seeing the sort of undercard for WCW that it was famous for in later years kind of taking shape. We had uh, we, we had um, Malenko versus Guerrero. On Nitro the other week, we've here got uh, Chris Benoit arriving. There was a shot of Jushin Liger in a, a match on Saturday night's main event being replayed on an episode of Nitro as well. So we can see the sort of very talented undercard, that cruiserweight division, for want of a better term, slowly starting to take shape now, I guess. Definitely with prominent name, even with Sabu and uh, Mr. JL as well. Mm. Um, it's like they're showing you what the future has to come. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting. I mean, to be honest, obviously, again, I know where it ends up. I'm assuming you know bits and bobs of where it ends up. I haven't seen a great deal of it. But it's exciting for me seeing these things take shape because obviously I've watched a lot of WCW when it was superb. 
kind of forget how it got there sometimes. So for me, it's really interesting seeing the, the groundwork being placed without maybe them actually knowing this is the groundwork for what they're heading towards, maybe. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of like, um, it's a weird comparison. It's kind of like um, the X-Men films where uh, the main focus was on the um, like the big the Wolverines and the Cyclopses and things like that. But they were building the future for like the Iceman and the guy who shot fire and things like that. I can't remember his name. But in the future movies, they were kind of more focusing on the um, lower like known uh, character. So it's kind of like that. Okay. I mean, it's going to shock you here, Danny, and anyone else who's ever listened to an episode of Chain Wrestling to hear me say, I, I don't know, I've never seen it. So, What? Oh, are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. No, honestly. Well, I've seen bits because my wife's massively into the whole DC, Marvel, all those films. She loves it. Absolutely loves it. That's, that's her thing, Sharon. She absolutely loves all that stuff. So she has them on when I'm doing other things in the back room, if I'm editing or whatever she'll have them on in the front room and my house is so small that wherever i sit downstairs i can effectively see the tv in the front room whether it's in the kitchen or the back room where it's, it's that tiny so i kind of pick up bits i guess but i've never sat down and watched an actual fo- oh no i have tell i i watched the massive four hour long what was that one justice league is that what that was called i'm not familiar with them my um movie things do- movie knowledge doesn't go past 2007 <laughs> Uh, okay it's a newer one um or at least it was this release was it was it was reshot with a certain director and it was over four hours long and the wife's the wife was putting it on i was like oh i'll watch it with you i quite enjoyed that that was quite good that's but, cool but it's like I, I imagine i would enjoy it if i watched it but if i get spare time to watch anything on telly i'm, I'm chucking wrestling on or i'm putting doctor who on or i'm putting quantum leap on because i'm, I'm sort of already thinking about my next podcast i guess you know so <laughs> But there we go. Oh, I watched Bill and Ted the other day. Yeah, brilliant film. I do like that. The the new one. I enjoyed the, the first two. I loved when I was a kid. The new one came out, hasn't it? Have you seen that? Yep, I've seen them. And um, no, I've seen one and two. Sorry. Yeah, I haven't seen the okay. new one. Is, is the Green Reaper still in it? He is. But I think he's played by a different fella. But he is ah. still in it. He's in it for a bit. But um, it's good. We... It's, it's good Like from a, I suppose nostalgia standpoint for someone who enjoyed the first couple of films when i was younger but if it was a standalone movie it wouldn't inspire me to go back and watch it again i suppose it was okay to sort of see these characters come back i guess you know definitely but i just want to ask how did we get to this from uh, nitro i don't know you can you understand now this is how magsy feels on a, on a monday night on chain wrestling just pulling his hair out because the conversation just wanders and i just ramble about shit so no it's cool it's cool <laughs> Anyway, anyway, Chris Benoit has arrived. Uh, somebody else who has arrived is the Disco Inferno because he pops back out and has a little bit of a boogie on the stage again, doesn't he? Yep, he did. And he brought out a tape player that was so 1995, wasn't it? Yeah, it's great. I love those sort of things. I used to love those those big old stereos. Take them down the park, hope the batteries would last, sit out with your mates, drinking a few cans. Oh, good times, mate. Good times. Disco is dancing away as Big Bubba or formerly the artist, formerly known as the Big Boss Man, makes his entrance. He sort of looks Disco up and down, a bit confused, and walks off. Road Warrior Hawk then arrives, who is Bubba's opponent for the match. He looks at Disco dancing. Disco's obviously got the stereo out playing his music because they've cut his music off to play the entrance themes of Big Bubba and Hawk. Hawk sort of puts a scare on Disco a little bit, and he sort of scurries away. And then he runs down after Hawk, takes a hat from the crowd, 
and, and hangs a WCW baseball cap on one of his spikes that Hawk doesn't actually realise has happened. It just seemed so backwards and silly and childish that I bloody loved it. <laughs> it was really fun, wasn't it? A nice little uh, character building for Disco because he was supposed to be this annoying guy that was stuck in the past. And uh, yeah, this really, this really did him wonders. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's it's just funny how he sort of sneakily, sort of really immature, childish, like sticking a sign on someone's back that says "kick me." That's all, sort of, you know, real sort of immature behaviour. But it's right at my street. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, the match begins: um, Hawk versus Big Bubba. I mean, Bubba here is he's still incredibly quick, and he gets moves around the ring brilliantly. There's an impressive power slam by Hawk, but the match doesn't really go anywhere because Disco comes back and starts dancing on the ring apron, distracts Hawk, who starts attacking Disco, rips his shirt up. Hawk then gets counted out, so I guess Big Bubba is the winner, Danny. What did you think about this whole segment? It took me uh, it took me a while to get uh, used to this because I was expecting Animal to run out as well, but um, was this when Hawk was a single star here? Yeah, I think Animal at the time was injured. I may be getting my timeline mixed up here, but Animal had quite a bad injury at some point in his career, which resulted in Hawk going out and wrestling in Japan with a different tag partner. So maybe it coincides with this. I'd have to look that up. There's probably people screaming at their podcast players right now saying I'm completely wrong, and I could very well be. Just off the top of my head, like looking it up beforehand, I think this may be when Animal was injured, I think. Ah, no, that's other than that, um, yeah. Uh, I actually enjoyed this match. It was a typical big man match, but um, it was short. But um, it did tell a story, and we did see uh, Big Bubba. Yeah, yeah. And after this, we see the reason the match being short because we need more tv time for hulk hogan they're really desperately trying to get this young kid over now (laughs) mean gene is in the ring and he announces hogan but this isn't the hogan that we know this isn't this isn't the the leader of hulkamania this isn't mr red and yellow this is hogan just all in black without his mustache and i hear quite a few boos danny Yes, this uh, shocked me to see. I'd never seen Hulk Hogan in the, uh, this character, this element of his character. I always thought he'd gone straight from the red and yellow to the NWO. I didn't know he took this detour. So it was very, very shocking uh, to see this. Yeah, I mean, it's something that kind of slipped my mind as well. And when I saw the, the sort of moustache shaving of last week's Nitro, it, it made me re- remember and go, OK, I know where we're going with this. But before that, it kind of slipped my mind as well. And it is that sort of Mandela effect, I guess, where you remember things a certain way. I picture Hogan being red and yellow and then being NWO. This whole little mini segment in the middle. And it doesn't last very long, don't get me wrong. But this whole section of Hogan being dressed in black and you know, this he's got to go to the dark side to defeat the Dungeon of Doom and the Giant and all that sort of nonsense had completely slipped my mind. Or maybe it hadn't slipped my mind. Maybe my subconscious was doing me a favour and just kicked it the fuck out. No, I totally understand what you're saying. But yeah, like you said, um, booze during this, I did write it down. Um, yeah, Hulk Hogan, he gets fired up during this. And uh, I just the giant shows up out of nowhere, doesn't he? Yes, we get Hogan just rambling on. He has a bit of a dig at Vince here as well, doesn't he? But Vince McMahon saying about he left the other promoter because his ego was too big and all this sort of stuff. Hogan says that shaving off his moustache... Was it Hogan or the commentators? I can't quite remember. But there's links there saying that 
shaving off Hogan's moustache is like burning the American flag, which is just, yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. Do you know, uh, just to go back, uh, just to go forward the uh, future, um, TNA did an American, American flag um, burning storyline. And uh, okay. that was the first time I'd seen something like that. But to compare something like that to someone shaving off the moustache, absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it's just, again, just overstating how... I think it's, I think it is overstating how much people cared about Hogan at this point. You yeah. can openly hear boos. Mean Gene can hear the boos. He tries to explain it away as the people are taken aback by your attire, Hogan. He's trying to make out that people are booing Hogan's black T-shirt as opposed to Hogan himself. <laughs> wow, I could not believe that. But I was actually shocked with Hulk Hogan uh, telling Mean Gene and Jimmy Hart to sh shut up. Well, his manners went with the Tash look. That's where his manners were kept in his moustache. So. <laughs> uh, no, it's no, it's yeah. this darker side to him, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, he needs to. Sometimes you need to go to the dark side to. Maybe it's a strategy to uh, have a match with the Giant to actually win. Well, yeah, yeah. And as you mentioned, Danny, the Giant does arrive, but there's a restraining order against him, apparently, which means Gene just drops into the conversation all of a sudden, saying that he can't actually come into the building. So he's in the car park or underneath the arena somewhere in a parking structure of some sort. In a monster truck, Hogan's screaming, get him in here, get him in here. Despite the fact Mean Gene's explaining he can't. <laughs> so Hogan decides, I'm going to go see him. And and that's kind of the end of the segment, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, uh, thankfully, mercifully, end of the segment. But um, no, yeah, it was a weird one, wasn't it? I mean, Hulk Hogan in this character, it just, yeah, like I said, it just blew my mind. And um, I wonder what they did with the moustache hair, if he's still got it somewhere in a bag. I don't know, man. I don't know. They'd probably eBay it nowadays, wouldn't you? Hulk Hogan's <laughs> moustache. It'd be, it'd be coming up on a an episode of Badlands podcast as bad merch again or something like that, wouldn't it? You can buy Hulk Hogan's <laughs> yeah. stubble or something like that. There'd be some weirdo who'd buy it as well, mind. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know if you've heard about the story about Jim Cornette uh, during the um, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart in famous backstage fight that they had in 1997. Bret Hart pulled out uh, Shawn Michaels' hair and Jim mm. Cornette picked it up, put it in a bag and it still has it to this day. That's weird. Yes. <laughs> That's a bit weird. I mean, I, I I say that's weird. I'm a massive Shawn Michaels fan. I, if I was in that scenario, I'm not saying I wouldn't do the same thing, I guess. <laughs> but I don't think I'm as weird as Jim Cornette, but maybe I'm leaning that way no. now, thinking about that. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, as all that is going on, we see footage of the giant in his monster truck and so on obviously promoting the, the sort of double header, I guess, between Hogan and the Giant for Halloween Havoc coming up. The steel cage has come down, and we're ready for our main event of the evening. The Nature Boy Ric Flair versus the Enforcer Arn Anderson in a steel cage. I mean, it's it's a steel cage to stop people getting in and stop them, in theory, getting out, apart from when they try and win. But the steel cage was very small. It was quite wobbly. There were big, massive gaps where it didn't fit the ring properly. <laughs> it didn't go around the corners properly, Danny, did it? No, it didn't. Uh, they could have used somebody who works in WWE for this because, uh, yeah, it, it just didn't look right. No, it wasn't a good look, this cage. But ultimately, you know, it's Flair versus Arn, and I could watch them two all day. 
We have a real fast start, back and forth brawling between them. Arn Anderson hits his incredible spine buster very early on. Uh, and then Flair starts sending Arn Anderson into the cage, bouncing his head off everything. And then on commentary, we have more Hulk Hogan talk again. Wow, I just couldn't believe it. In the middle of your cage match main event with potentially the greatest to ever lace up a pair of wrestling boots and his former best friend, a storyline you're promoting on last week's Nitro, this week's Nitro, your last pay-per-view, and you're just ranting on about bloody Hulk Hogan again. When you already plugged Hogan and his segment and his feud and all the stuff that's going on at Halloween Havoc over and over and over again, you don't need to bring it up again here. It's very frustrating, but not as frustrating as for the second week in a row, Arn Anderson gets the jabroni entrance, which I was very surprised. Yeah, that's true. He come back and he's, as with the cage, Arn Anderson has magically appeared in the ring, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. <laughs> it's like he doesn't have an entrance. Yeah, and I love the old horseman music as well that Arn uses. That sort of single guitar playing over the top of it. Oh, fantastic. So good. So good. That was, that was my ringtone on my phone for a while. Um, <laughs> I'm not Brian, surprised <laughs> yeah Brian Pillman arrives again gets to the top of the cage but Flair knocks him off to the floor which I thought was quite a cool little spot uh, Flair goes for the figure four but Arn punches him and gets the three count absolutely out of nowhere complete surprise I was like oh really really shocked me but it turns out Danny that Arn Anderson had a foreign object didn't he like a knuckle duster or some description yes he did he was uh, was that brass knuckles yeah, I think so. Yeah, like a big white sort of, yeah. Brass knuckles in tape. Yes. He had them tucked in his tights. So as Flair applied the figure four, sort of, went, sort of went around on the top leg and went to cup over to get the other one. Arn gave him a quick jab. Flair's out cold. Arn pins him. But watching on television, I suppose in a way, if you're looking at it from a kayfabe standpoint, it's... Arn did well because it's done in a way that hides it from people seeing that he's cheated. However, from a television program standpoint, I didn't know what had happened until I'd seen a couple of replays. The crowd themselves had no idea what had happened. So it looked like at first glance to us who had replays, but then I suppose to a lot of people in the, in the arena until they got home, potentially it looked like Arn Anderson beat Ric Flair with just a punch. Yeah, it did, didn't it? I wish he did. <laughs> oh, there we go. So, Flair then goes crazy. We get shouty, ranty, mental, lost my temper, Ric Flair. He goes to the announce desk at the top in the in the rampway there, takes Eric Bischoff's headset, breaks it, which I'm, I'm assuming Ted Turner was over the moon about because those are not cheap, and challenged Pillman and on Anderson to a match next week. He says, a handicap match, I'll wrestle you both. Then he says, I'm still going to look for a partner. Then he says, I can never find a partner, so I'll wrestle you both. But I'm still going to look for a partner. So I'm not 100% sure what we're going to get next week, but it will feature Flair versus Anderson and Pillman in some form, I guess, Dan. Yeah, definitely looking forward to that. But um, yeah, like you said, the the um, headset uh, breaking I found was hilarious. Yeah, it was good, wasn't it? Because <laughs> when Bischoff got it back, he looked really cross and he's trying to hold <laughs> it against his head and speak into the microphone because he's still got a job to do after Flair's wrecked his equipment. It was quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, with regards to the Pillman, Arn Anderson, Ric Flair, I suppose mainly Ric Flair, Arn Anderson kind of storyline here. 
what are your thoughts? Because this has been, I suppose, a storyline that started as we began our watchback. We've had a pay-per-view match, and now we've had two matches, headline Nitro, back-to-back weeks. And we're now going to go into a third week where they're facing off again in a slightly different match, different stipulation. What are your thoughts about this storyline? Is it dragging on too long? Is it good because they keep changing it up? What What do you think, Danny? I think it's quite refreshing because, um, like you said, they're, they're putting different match types in and um, there's more story, there's more people getting involved. Um, yeah, I actually really enjoy this. What are your thoughts, Si? Well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a massive Flair fan. I'm a massive Anderson fan. Uh, Pillman being involved is intriguing because it's, it's a new face with these older hands, I guess. And I'm just really, really intrigued to see where it goes. So from my standpoint, I guess it's doing what it wants to do. I guess it's doing its job because as the viewer, last week when they said next week we've got Flair versus Arn in a cage, I was like, oh, great. Okay, I'm in. I'm all in for next week. This week they're saying you've got Flair versus Arn and Pillman in some form of handicap tag team contest or some description. I'm all about next week already. So I suppose as a viewer, it's doing what it needs to do. It's hooking me back in to make me come back and watch more. But at the same time, it almost feels like it's not as important as other things on the show. Not to me, but how the show is promoted, because it's all about Hogan all the time. So you've got yeah. this potentially great storyline that's maybe kind of being on the back burner, despite being in the main event of your TV program. I know that's a bit of a contradiction, but that's kind of the way I feel, I guess. Yeah, I can totally understand. Yeah, okay. I mean, we do then get, obviously, more Hogan talk. We get Bischoff, Heenan, and Mongo talking about the Hogan scenario. Heenan then cuts a mini promo about how everyone is sick of Hogan. The fans are sick of him, and the wrestlers in the back are sick of him. Yeah, I'll write that down. Yeah, knowing how, how WCW went. I mean, it was a great promo. Heenan's fantastic. But knowing how WCW was and what was going on, behind the scenes and ultimately the NWO and all this sort of stuff and listening to the fans booing Hogan. It, it almost comes across like he's, he's speaking quite a bit of truth there. I think Danny, what did you think about Heenan's little mini rant here? I really enjoyed it. It brought me back to uh, some of those um, early uh, Hulk Hogan uh, matches that when Bobby Heenan was on commentary in the WWF, he would always be healing on Hulk. And um, yeah, so it kind of was like that. But um, yeah, it was like he was maybe he was speaking on behalf of the locker room. Well, maybe, maybe. I doubt Hogan would have given a shit though. You know, as long as those checks, <laughs> kept, as long as the checks kept coming, I'm sure he didn't care. Yes, <laughs> that's the mantra. There we go. I mean, I, I, I've been very negative on Hogan these last two episodes of Nitro Nights. I just want to make sure everyone's aware. I'm As a kid, I was a big Hogan fan. You know, I was growing up in the era of Hulkamania. I loved Hogan. I loved the Warrior. I loved all those guys. Hogan was a big hero. Now, as an adult, I realise that, and to quote our good friend Paul Tolley uh, at Rainmaker on Twitter, um, Love Hulk Hogan, but Terry Bellia is a piece of shit, which yeah, is um, a good way of putting it, I think. Uh, yeah. But here, this WCW run, I'm kind of done with Hogan. I kind of just want the NWO to happen now because I'm sick of Hogan. Yeah, I totally understand that. I want to get to the um, uh, the exciting part of Hulk Hogan, the second uh, win of his career. So, but um, yeah, we're looking forward to it. Yeah, don't get me wrong. There's enough there going on on these episodes of Nitro and the pay-per-views to keep me entertained. 
there's so much going on with other guys that I'm really enjoying. But whenever Hogan is mentioned or on screen, I, I, I suppose the, the phrase is go away heat. He's got go away heat with me now. Yeah. Because I, I physically want him to go away. I don't want to. I want to watch Flair Anderson. I want to watch Luger, Savage, Pillman. I want to watch Malenko and Guerrero. I want to watch all these guys. I don't need to see Hulk Hogan again until the NWO. Yeah. Well, that could, that could be uh, a good thing if he just went away. <laughs> I'm afraid, mate. Spoiler alert. It doesn't happen. But there we go. So then, that's the end of the episode of Monday Nitro. We now need to give our our rating for the episode. But before we get there, we pick out a good moment and a bad moment where we award the Woo and the O Brothers. Do you want to get into that then, Danny? Yeah, let's do it. Brother, 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 brothers, brother, Woo! brother. Do you want to go first or second, my friend? Uh, this week I'll go first if you don't mind, sir. No problem at all. You crack on. Perfect. Um, so, yep, the uh, woo of the uh, week would be definitely the performance that we both had with Sting and uh, the Shark. Um, I really enjoyed that because it wasn't too long and it wasn't too short. It was just right for me, to be honest. Um, what's your woo, sir? I'll tell you what, I had that written down. I had how good Sting versus Shark was because I was like, as I said when, when, at the very beginning of the episode, I wasn't expecting anything and it massively overachieved for me. I had that written down, but I've actually crossed that out before we recorded and I've changed it to Sabu because I thought Sabu looked amazing in this match with Jolien. I thought it was, it, it, it was a breath of fresh air in amongst all the turgid Hulk Hogan stuff. I totally understand, yeah. Um and the uh oh brother of the week, oh this one was uh is an easy one for me. It was uh giving Arn Anderson the Jabroni entrance. The Jabroni entrance, yeah, the I know exactly entrance. where you came from. Yeah, giving Arn Anderson the Jabroni entrance for the second week in a row. Um I did not like um because I did not expect that to be honest with you. What's your um oh brother of the week, sir? Mate, again, I sound like a stuck record. Uh, for the first few episodes of Nitro Nights, it was Dungeon of Doom, Kevin Sullivan, Dungeon of Doom, Kevin Sullivan. I just had enough. These more recent episodes we're recording of Nitro Nights, I'm a stuck record again, my friend. It's Hulk Hogan. I just, I'm just done. I'm just done with Hogan. And it's not even just Hogan. I could deal with Hogan turning up, having his segment on the show, and then going. But it's the fact that the commentators push hogan in every other segment as well hogan's part of the tv show he's part of the company he's their world champion if hogan turns up cuts an interview i've got no issue with that hogan turns up and has a match i've got no issue with that but the fact that hogan moments are sort of overstepping into everyone else's segments it's too much the video replays and things like that yeah yeah exactly mate exactly Ah, so then, overall, Danny, overall, uh, hit, miss, or middling? I'm going with the middle in this time because uh, that was uh, it, there was there was too much good to to name this a miss. Um, what would you say, Asai? Yeah, I agree, mate. I agree. I've got middle as well. Uh, it's it was a good enough show to watch. It didn't cause me that much hassle. There was no there was no bad wrestling on there. To be fair. Uh, the Hogan stuff means I can't give it a hit this week because I'm just so over Hogan at the moment. But there was enough there to drag it away from being a miss with regards to in-ring and Sting and Shark and Sabbath and all these guys. So, yeah, I think middle is is, is pretty much spot on, mate. I agree with you totally. 
Okay, so before we depart, the last thing we have to do, Danny, is make sure everyone knows whereabouts they can find you online and your awesome shows you're involved in, please, sir. Thank you, sir. Um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Scottish Juggalo. You can hear me on One Man's Meat podcast with the great Chris Bellis. You can hear me on A Change in Attitude with the great Tanner, Ori and Mags, his lordship. And you can hear me here with you, sir, where I'll be next week. You will indeed for another installment of Flair versus Anderson. Hopefully we get no mention of the great orange one during the contest. <laughs> Yes, okay. You can find me on Twitter at SJP Words. You can also find my little group on Facebook, SJP All the Shows and Info. And it's where I share links to all the projects and, and podcasts and shows and I'm involved in and the articles I write and so on. So we have obviously Nitro Nights here. We have Chain Wrestling I do with Mr. Mags on a Monday night live via Radio Techers, but also the podcast version comes out later in the week as well. We have The Waiting Ring, which is a Quantum Leap podcast. I do have our good friend Benny Mac. And the Doctor Who pod, which is all about the time-travelling alien in a little blue box that I discuss with our buddy Dan Griffin. But most importantly, you can find this show on Facebook and Twitter at Nitro underscore Nights. Chuck it a follow. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you're enjoying, what you're not enjoying. If we can do anything different to make this show better for you. If there's any aspects of episodes of Nitro you want us to look at specifically, anything at all, any feedback is always worthwhile. Uh, I look forward to hearing from you all. And as always, Danny, thank you so, so much, my friend. I really enjoyed this. Just enjoy your company and talking wrestling, buddy. So thank you so much for joining me again. Oh, thank you, sir. I really am enjoying this. We're um, a few episodes into Nitro now and yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, it's great. I'm, I'm having a great time. I'm having a blast. I hope everyone else listening is having a blast as well. Danny, I will speak to you next week. And to everyone else, thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>